This is a Saddleback Church podcast. Today I'm very excited. We're going to be talking about future vision that God has both for our church and for our lives individually. I'm excited to share with you where I believe God is leading our church this year, some of the big vision initiatives, and really tie it together with our own individual life, with God's vision for this year. Now, I wanna begin with a little bit of a question for you. How many of you are goal setters? Like at the beginning of the year, you set goals, you write them out, raise them up high. Earlier in the day, there's more people who are goal setters in our services. How many of you are like, man, that's for somebody else, just out of curiosity, okay, I see you, you're, you're here, that's great, all, everything in between. Now, I wanna share something with you that might be a bit sobering. Uh, if you look at studies, I read an article this week, studies show us that when people set New Year's resolutions or goals for the new year, by the time they get to the end of Q1, less than 50% of people will actually remember or still be focused on that goal. Now, that might not seem very uncommon or unrealistic, like, you're, yeah, I get that. But by the end of the year, less than 6% of people will still be pursuing their dreams or goals for the year. So I'm sure you came to church today to be encouraged. Now you can leave. That's all you got from the day. I share that with you because I think a lot of the challenge that we face when it comes to a new year with a dream, with a vision, with a goal, when we write them down, when we begin, so often our perspective and our starting place is the wrong place. And the question that we're asking is often, what is the goal that I'm going to accomplish in my life this year? What are my goals? And it's not that that's bad to think about. You know, the top goal that people often set is that they wanna lose weight in the new year or get in better shape, and that's great. I wanna improve myself, but there's another question. There's another starting place that's a better place to begin, and it's this question. What is God's dream for my life? What is God's dream for my life this year? This is an important question because God has a dream for your life this year. There are things that God wants to do in you and through you in this new year as we launch out. There are dreams in his heart for your life, for your family, for your business, for your ministry, and he wants to accomplish them through you this year. And part of the challenge for us, I believe, not only is the question we ask ourselves, but part of the challenge is the perspective that we bring to dreams and to vision or to goals. And this quote, I love this quote. I'm not sure where this quote comes from, so we can give Pastor Rick Warren credit for this quote. I thought that was funny. Nobody else did. <laughs> and they say often, you say it once, then you say, I always said, and then you say, I, I quote myself, so eventually it will be my quote. But this quote is this. Most people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what is possible with God over a 10 year period of time. And so often our vision, our dreams are limited. So we set big goals for one year, but we don't see the big dream, the big vision that God has for our life. I want today to challenge us to zoom out to get a bigger dream for our lives and frame that dream in the context this year of what God wants to do this year. So today what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna cast vision for our church, I'm gonna share where I believe God's leading us to go, and I'm gonna invite you to say yes to that dream that God has for our church and for your life this year. I'm gonna challenge you to step into it and say yes with your whole heart. Now I love this verse 
Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. This is a verse that often ends up on like cards and bookstores and paintings. And it shows up when we think about plans for our lives. It says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's a good verse. That's a true verse. That's, that's God speaking to his people, to the Israelites. He has a dream. He has hopes. He has a plan. He has a vision to bless your life into the future. But for Jeremiah, when he writes this verse, in, Jer- in chapter 29, he's writing to the nation of Israel, who's currently in exile in Babylon, and he also says to them, you're going to be in exile for 70 years. God has a wonderful plan for your life. So it's in the context of often the vision, the dream takes longer than we can imagine. And today, God wants to deposit long perspective, big vision into your heart. Now, I want to look today at Paul from the Bible, the Apostle Paul. Paul started his journey with Jesus Beginning, he was first a a person who was murdering followers of Jesus, and God showed up and radically changed his life, called him to himself, sent him on mission to share the good news of Jesus, and he goes on to write a good chunk of the New Testament. He goes on to start churches and write letters to those churches, and in Galatians chapter one, he speaks of that call. He says this, says, but when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, now notice this. God set Paul apart. God called him by his grace from his mother's womb. And I believe this to be true about you, that God had a dream, God had a plan, God had a vision for your life when you were in your mother's womb, when you were being formed and shaped by his grace. He was inviting you, things he wanted to do in you and through you. And Paul describes this. He says, when this happened, God was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles my immediate response was not to consult any human being. My immediate response was to say yes to what it is that God is asking of me, to say yes to the call of God on my life. So he says yes to God, and God calls him to go to all these towns and start new churches. He goes on missionary journeys. And one of the missionary journeys that Paul went on was to a place called Athens. So he stops off in Athens, which is a major metropolitan area at the time. It's one of the most influential cities in the first century, and Paul is going to preach his most famous sermon he ever preaches in Acts chapter 17. And I want us today to be encouraged by this sermon and let it frame how we think about God's dreams for our lives. Now, this last summer, Stacy and I, we were in Greece, we were on an island, we were celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary, and I noticed our flight back took us through Athens. So we went through Athens on the way there, flight back, went through Athens again, and we had like a three-hour layover. And I'm like, oh, I have always wanted to go see the place where Paul preached his sermon in Athens. It's called Mars Hill. So I'm like, oh, I can do it. Three hours. But I probably will miss my flight. So I changed my flight, and we got to stay for a full day in Athens. So we get off the airplane, and we're walking around Athens. We get dropped off at our hotel, so now we start walking around and I'm on a search for this place where the sermon we're gonna look at today was preached, and I discover that it's connected to a place called the Parthenon. So some of you, maybe you've seen or been to the Parthenon before. It's this huge marble building, has these massive columns. It's, it's like everything you would expect with an ancient kind of wonder of the world building. Now, I had always, in my mind, thought Mars Hill was kind of like that as well. 
So I go up to the Parthenon. Stacy and I, we kind of hike up there. It takes us about an hour to get to the top. And when we get up there, I'm like asking people, okay, where, where's the place where the Apostle Paul preached the sermon on Mars Hill? And like nobody really knows who Paul is. And they're like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And finally, we find somebody that knows the, the spot called Mars Hill. So we're, we're looking at the Parthenon. We do a tour. And then we go to this place called Mars Hill where this sermon was preached. And I just got to say, it was so underwhelming. I mean, it was like, it was like a rock that was like half the size of the stage I'm standing on. I mean, it was, it, I'm like, that's the sermon I've always read. I thought it was going to be like these massive buildings and it was going to be this unbelievable scene and it was a little rock that Paul stood on. Now, when Paul preached this sermon at Mars Hill, it wasn't a church. It was actually a gather of, gathering of city leaders. And in Acts chapter 17, I love these words. Maybe you've heard this sermon before. They'll be on the screen, and we're going to roll through these words. Paul speaks in Acts chapter 17, and he says this beginning in verse 22. It says, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. So he says, I'm, I'm actually going to talk to you about life's deep questions that you are asking. Like you are looking for truth, you are searching, you are exploring. Here is the answer to the question you've been asking your entire life. All of your religions, all of your philosophy, all of the things that you are doing here in Athens is really just you attempting to try to get to what I'm about to tell you. And then watch what he says. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he gives, him, gives himself, gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. That means that God was intentional with where he put you. God knew the address that you would have today. God knew what family you would be born into. God knew what generation you would be a part of. God knew what state, what country. He knew what ethnicity you would be. He had all of this in mind when he created humanity. From one man, he did it all. And it says the reason he did this, verse 27, Paul says, God did this so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own prophets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone or an image made by human design and skill. He's bigger than that. He's the one that formed and created the universe. He cannot be contained in an object physically or a building. He's bigger, he's greater, Paul says. In fact, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, to turn to him, 
For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, speaking of Jesus. And he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. That's a great sermon. That's a really good sermon, Paul. Paul, thank you for preaching that amazing sermon. You wanted to clap? Go ahead, clap. Paul, clap for him. He's in heaven right now. He might hear you. That's a great, that's a great sermon, Paul. And you can imagine, like, Paul, who was performing miracles with God's power all throughout the book of Acts. Like, in fact, there were instances where when Paul would go from town to town, there were handkerchiefs that touched Paul, and they would go from Paul to heal other people. I mean, that's the anointing and the blessing that God had on Paul's life. So the best sermon you've ever preached in your entire life, Paul, the one that historians will talk about, it should certainly bear a tremendous amount of fruit. So let's look and see how people responded. Verse 32. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. It's like, you know, that's kind of what I think of when I think of And others said, well, we want to hear you again on this subject next week. Come on back. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people, some of the people, few of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Oropagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others, a few others. Now, you, you read that. The point I'm trying to make is this is the greatest sermon that Paul ever preached. This is the one that historians and theologians point back to that has been preached thousands and thousands of times. This is a sermon that Paul preached that literally has led to hundreds of thousands of people being changed by the good news of Jesus. It's in the Bible. And just a few people responded. Now, I want to walk up to Paul. And I don't know what he felt after the sermon, but sometimes I give sermons, and I'm not really sure if people are with me. Like, I'll preach, and then afterwards, I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure they really, I probably didn't do a good job. They, they didn't really hear it. It didn't really change their life. They kind of were, you know, they looked at me like I was crazy, and then they were gone. Not, ne never the, this service here at the Lake Forest campus, but it happens. It happens sometimes, and preachers are discouraged, and they're like, did it really work? Did anybody's life get changed? And I, I just kind of want to walk up to Paul and I want to, as like a brother, as a preacher, I mean, he'd be my mentor, but I just want like somehow as a younger brother just to look at Paul and say, oh, Paul, you have no idea how amazing that sermon was. There will be people at Saddleback Church 2,000 years from now that will listen to that sermon and have their life changed. Paul, that's the greatest message you will ever preach and it will have more impact than any sermon because it's going to be in the Bible and God's going to use it to change generations. Paul, don't be discouraged. It's bigger. It's more than you can comprehend in this moment. And I believe what God wants to say is sometimes you're living discouraged. Sometimes you're trying to do the right thing. Sometimes God's dream for your life seems so small. Sometimes the thing that you're applying your life to, it seems like it's so insignificant. But what God wants to say to you and to us as a church family today is God's dream for our lives is more than we think it is. It's more than we can comprehend. Sometimes you're changing a diaper and you have no idea whose diaper you're changing. That person's gonna grow up and God's gonna use them to change the world. 
Sometimes you're in the embryonic stages of a ministry or a dream, and you're looking at that dream, and nobody's believing that dream, but God says, do not despise small beginnings, the days where nobody else believes that dream have faith. So it's more significant, it's more impactful than you can comprehend. God wants to encourage you today. It's more than you think it is. God's dream for your life is bigger than you can comprehend, and it's bigger in multiple ways. Number one, it's more impactful than you think it is. So the significance of what we do today is connected to the grand story of what God is accomplishing through our lives. There were people that laid a foundation in 1980, 1981, and 82 that served and sacrificed and gave, and our lives were changed now today or are changed now today as a result of their obedience. There's no way that they could comprehend in the moment the impact that God would use that simple obedience to have. And I remember when Stacy and I, we were in grad school, we started a church on a local university's campus, and we were in small group gathering launching the church with about 30 people in a living room with one of our mentors, a guy by the name of John Worcester, his wife, Diane. They were mentoring us as we were starting a church for college students. We were going to seminary at the time. We were 22 years old. And this week, somebody sent me pictures of the moment that we were starting the church. You want to see them? So this is Stacy and me at 22 years old. And I don't know what you see when I look at that picture. You look at that picture. But let me tell you what I see. I see my mouth open. And I see that look on my wife's face like I'm smiling but you need to wrap it up, Wood. Stop talking. And in that moment, I'll show you one other. There's another picture, the craziness that, that <laughs> is still there. But, but in that moment, I had no idea the significance of what God was weaving together. John and Diane Worcester had been on staff here at Saddleback in the early 2000s. They had helped start new churches out of Saddleback. They had created, with the help of the team here, what is called the Purpose Driven Church Planting Training. And there were these things called CDs. They were round, they were silver. You put them in what was called a disc man and you press play. There was a cord that kind of went to these things that you put on your ears and you would play it. And I heard the whole Purpose Driven Church Planting Training. I listened to it over and over and over again. And God used that to lay a foundation, but I had no idea in the moment. But what God was asking of me was not to see the full scope of my life. What God was requiring of me was to have faith in that moment. So God's dream that is bigger than what you see, it requires faith. It requires the kind of faith, not so much that you look and everybody's like, wow, that person has amazing faith. It's the kind of faith that puts us in position for God to have to move through our lives. And sometimes that uncomfortable place where God has to come through is the place where God's big dreams are accomplished through your life. So there might be something God's deposited in you, but you haven't stepped into it fully because you don't wanna go to that place where God needs to come through, and today is an invitation from God to the immeasurably more accomplish the work that he wants to accomplish through your life. As Paul says in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, listen to his words. He says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, 
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, I want to read that one more time because some of you were thinking about what you're going to have for lunch after church. And I'm going to just go back through it. And I want you to hear these words and listen to what Paul says. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than the greatest dreamer could ever ask or imagine according to his power, which is the same power that brought Jesus from death to life, that is at work within us, he says. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Oh, I want to be a part of a church family that has the kind of faith to believe it's possible for God to do immeasurably more. So much that we step into that place that only God could get the glory and the credit through our lives. He is able to do immeasurably more. And my question is, do we believe as a church that God is still working in our generation as he did in former generations? Do we believe that it's possible for God to do now and to do more than what he did then? You know, sometimes we, we focus on the old thing that God did, but so often when I read the Bible, I never see God saying, behold, I'm doing an old thing. God says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you see it? Will you seize it? Will you step into it? And it's not that we're looking back on the former days and saying they weren't significant. The former days of what God did through Saddleback Church laid a foundation for these days. And anyone who sacrificed in the former days would say with all their heart that they were laying a foundation and with all their heart they would want to be able to say the greatest of what God wants to do through Saddleback Church is ahead. God is doing a new thing and some of our eyes can get so focused on the old thing that we don't step into the new thing. God is inviting us today to have faith to believe the best of what he wants to do in and through our lives is ahead. It's bigger, it's more significant than we think. I want you to consider this. In 1980, when Pastor Rick stood on a stage at a high school and preached the vision for what would one day be the Lake Forest campus and the future vision of our church, and people thought that was crazy. And then you look at what God did over the last 44 years that is in so many ways bigger than what he casted at that moment. What if God's bigger is so much more than we can see right now? What if God's dream is so much more than we can comprehend? Today I'm gonna share with you that future vision and what if God's future vision is so much grander than that? It's bigger than we think. It's more significant than we think. It's also more simple than we think. Now simplicity is different than looking at a problem and saying, okay, well, it's easy. Simplicity and easy are not the same thing. Simple just means that often we make it more complicated than it needs to be. I love in Acts chapter 18, verse one, after Paul preaches this sermon, and the scripture says in Acts chapter 18, verse one, it says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. So it's like, well, that sermon was done, that time in Athens was done, and now Paul goes to Corinth, he spends about a year and a half there, he writes the letters later to the Corinthians that become a part of the Bible, and that was another simple step of obedience that God invited him into. And the journey of living by faith, the journey of stepping into God's dream, is often just a matter of continuing to take the next step 
of what God has for our lives. The sum total of our lives boils down to what we do with our days. Because the days add up to weeks, and the weeks add up to months, and the months add up to quarters, and the quarters add up to uh, years, and the years add up to decades, and the decades add up to a lifetime. And if today we obey God, today if we're faithful, today if we listen to the voice of God, it leads us to the ultimate dream that God has for our life. And what it's requiring of us in this moment is to be attentive and available. It's to say yes to God in this moment for what it is that God is asking of our lives this year. It requires attentiveness and availability. And I love Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 14, that says, this command I'm giving to you today, it's not too difficult for you. It's not beyond your reach. It's not kept up in heaven so distant that you must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it today? It's not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey. God, God is not trying to complicate obedience for us. That's what Moses is saying. The, the, the command he is saying, no, the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and it's in your heart so that you can obey God. It's present. Don't overcomplicate it. Following God is listening to the voice of God and saying yes to what it is that he invites us into. And some of you, you, you write yourself off. You're like, well, I don't have certain gifts and I don't know how to hear from God. And really, I, I wanna encourage you today that there are gifts inside of you. You might never stand on a stage and preach a sermon. You might never go overseas to be a missionary. You might never lead a song in worship. And for people like me, that's a good thing. They would never sing from a stage and people listen to it. You, you might not have those gifts, but God has placed a part in you, a gift in you, that, that his bigger vision for his church and his bigger vision for our lives requires that part of you to be fully surrendered to him, to be attentive and available. And I love 1 Thessalonians. These are also Paul's words. He says this, make it your goal to live. Now this is funny because if you're writing goals for the year, this might be a good goal. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. Mind your own business and work with your hands. Somebody just said, I got a goal for a friend of mine. Right there, that's, that's a good one. Be quiet, stop being so nosy and do your job. That's, that's what he says. And I love, I love the simplicity of this because he's saying, you know, do this as we've instructed you before. Apparently he said this a few times before to them. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. So Paul is saying simple obedience. So living in a way that on your street or in, in your company or on the block that you live on to be obedient, to shine light, to share love, that day-to-day -day kind of service it adds up, and obedience today leads to a lifetime of fruitfulness and stepping into God's dream. It's simpler than we think. And sometimes the prayer that we pray is like, well, God, show me what to do, and then I'll decide if I wanna do it. You ever prayed that? Like, I'll do anything but that, God. I'll do anything but go overseas. I'll do anything but start a ministry. I'll do anything but, and a better prayer to pray is this, you might wanna write this down. God, you have our yes. Now, what are you asking of us? And I dare you to pray that prayer. I dare you to ask God. God, what are you asking of me? You've got my yes before you tell me what it is. What if we all started this new year with our yes 
to God before we know what he's asking of us. That simple humility to say yes to him leads us into the impossible to God's dream for our lives. Now, I've been praying this prayer for our church, and I've been saying, God, show me, show our leadership, show our elders, show our staff what is your dream for our church, what is it this year that you want us to do? Now, that dream that God has for us this year sets in the context of a bigger dream for the next decade, and I'm gonna lay that out and call you to say yes to what God wants to do for our church. But this year, I wanna focus on what I think he's saying first to us this year. And what I believe God is saying to us this year, and what he's saying to me in my prayer time and reading the Bible is this. You focus on building up the people and I'll focus on building the church because I've been doing a good job of it for 2,000 years. That's what he's saying. I'm faithful to build my church. Now this, if, if you know me, you know that this is one part encouragement and this is another part correction because there's a part of me that I often feel like it's up to me. If, it, if it's gonna work, I gotta, I've gotta do it. And what God is saying, no, you, you've got a part that is yours Goes in your can, it's your can, you can do it, and there's a part that only I can do. And the part you can do, the part the church can do, the part that you can call people to is to build up the church, to build the people of the church, and I will build, I will expand my church. Matthew 16, 18, I love this verse, it's a promise from God for Saddleback Church. It's a promise from God for generations about his church. Matthew 16, 18 says, Jesus is speaking, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Those are fighting words from Jesus. That's Jesus saying that there, there is no institution, there's no government, there's no demonic force, there's no kingdom that will stand against my kingdom. It will go from generation to generation. There will be wars and famines and sickness and governments that rise and fall, but my church will prevail. It's an unstoppable movement. It will change families. It will bring people out of poverty. It will bring hope. To people, It will change the way that we think. It will reconcile generations and ethnicities. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the invitation then is for us, one, to have faith, but two, to do our part. So this verse in Ephesians 4 says this, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. And so we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now out of this call to build up the church, there are three focuses I believe God is asking of us, three initiatives this year that we'll focus on. And the one first that is the most significant is to empower my church to be immersed in the Bible. I believe God is saying, call the church to read the Bible. This book right here is God's authoritative word for our lives. This book in it contains the power of God to change your life. It is God's word that he wrote to us that changes the way that we think and when we read it and we immerse ourselves in it, it changes us. Studies show this. And this call this year is to read the Bible. Now, maybe you've read it 
hundred times before. Maybe you've never read it before. Maybe you once read it and you don't read it now. But the call this year is to read through the New Testament over an eight-week period of time. We're going to do this as a whole church through a version called the New Living Translation, but through what is called the Messiah. All the chapter numbers and the verse numbers have been taken out, so it comes like the original version of the Bible. And in eight weeks, with small groups, what we're going to call Bible book clubs, we're going to read this together with all the adults in our church. Now, you might be asking, how much of a commitment is that? That's about 20 to 25 minutes a day to read or listen to the Bible. You might be thinking to yourself, there's no way I can make time for 25 to 30 minutes of reading the Bible every day, but I would just like to ask you and graciously challenge you to look at your phone and see how much time you spend on social media per day. And I guarantee you, your face is in Facebook, and your face is in Instagram and other social media, and I'm not knocking, I'm just saying, what if you took all that time or a portion of that time and read the most important book that has ever been written? I guarantee you it will change your life. So the label that we're putting on this is called The Anchored Life. It'll be an eight-week series. We're also, the, kid, the students are gonna go through Luke and Acts together. So every one of our students will do this. And then our team has written a curriculum that will take the Bible for kids. And I want you to see what they've done. There'll be a journey that the kids will go on together. They get stickers. Some adult just said, I want the stickers. So... That they'll go through that over an eight-week period of time, and the whole church will immerse itself together in God's Word. I can't wait to see what's going to happen in your life and our lives together as we do this. Now, a couple other verses connected to this Ephesians 4 says, We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who's the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now what Paul is saying is there's a way to live that you're not tossed and turned by the culture. And I wanna make a statement at the front end of this year in the United States of America this is an election year, and I have a prophetic revelation on this year. People are going to be divided this year. There's going to be division. I just have a sense internally it's going to happen. And there will, there will be people undoubtedly who are followers of Jesus that are more loyal to a political party than they are to the kingdom of God. And that's a problem. That's a problem. It's, it's, it's not that... What we believe as followers of Jesus and what the Bible teaches shouldn't infuse our politics or our beliefs about government. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that the government that Jesus was establishing was not a physical government. There was a kingdom that he was building and that kingdom pushes against the value system of every kingdom that has ever existed here on planet Earth. And when Jesus came, he did not come to pick sides. Jesus came to take over. He came to build an eternal kingdom that would never end of every nation, tribe, and tongue. And this year, if we are anchored in God's word, and that's the filter that we see politics in our country and all the value systems around us through, it changes the way we live. 
It makes us less tossed and turned by the winds of the world around us. It anchors our life. And that's the invitation God is calling us to. Now listen, I love the United States of America. I have an American flag in my garage. And when I work out, I look at that flag and I'm grateful for this country. I'm grateful for my freedom that I have. I'm grateful that I can stand on a stage and preach this good news and it goes to other countries. I'm grateful for all that. But I am way more loyal to the kingdom of God than I am to the United States of America. I know that God's kingdom will outlast this kingdom. And the invitation that God is making is to give our lives to his kingdom first. And reading his word changes the way that we see the world around us. Could you imagine what could happen in our church if every single person in our church cultivated a daily habit of reading the Bible? Imagine people being set free from addictions, marriages being healed, generations being reconciled, all because our people started reading the Bible. Could you imagine that? Now, there are two other initiatives. I'm not going to spend as much time on them because I spent a lot of time on that first one. Second one, I believe God is saying, activate my church to fully live out my purposes. And let me explain it like this. For years, we've done what is called 101, 201, 301, and 401. They're classes that people go through. They were originally about four hours long. You'd sit through, you'd make a commitment, and they really have influenced a lot of lives to be activated in their journey of faith spiritually. Now, we're taking all of that. The last couple of years, not as many people have been going through it. And we're taking all of that. We're refreshing it. Same purposes from God. We're making it a little bit shorter, about two hours. We're going to make it relational and conversational. There's going to be a guide that goes through with us. There's going to be a meal. There's going to be free child care. Somebody said, I'm going to go on a date with my spouse and not go to activate while all that's happening, get the free meal and leave. No, that's not the purpose. The purpose is we come together. And then in that, we're activated in God's purposes. So there'll be step one, step two, step three, and step four that will roll out all throughout the year but it will launch with step one in March called Activate. So the whole journey is Activate with four steps, step one in March. Let me explain why this is so important. This summer, I got a phone. I won't tell you what company it came from. If you're here in the United States of America, it was an herb, so you can kind of figure out. Rhymes with Lint. And so that phone company, I could not get my phone activated. I called that phone company for weeks on end. I could not get my phone to work. So finally, I just went from that company to another company. And I said, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to use another company. Because activation makes all the difference. And what happens with our faith journey is sometimes all we need is to be activated. So that journey is about activating us into God's purposes for our lives. Third one is to call my church. I believe God's saying, call my church to boldly step into future vision with courage. And what I mean by this is multiple times in our history, we've done multi-year vision initiatives that we've called the whole church to participate in. So we've been here for a while. Think of Daring Faith. Think of these initiatives that we lay out the next few years. We call the church to engage. We sacrifice. We say yes. And we're going to step into that at the end of this year, September, October, and call the whole church to make commitments for the next few years of what God is calling us to do as a church family. Now, I don't know what you're thinking at this point. I'm sure there are some of you are like, yes, I love this. Some of you are like, what does that mean for me? But I got one thing I want to say before I call us to respond, and this is important. When it comes to God's dream that he's laying out for this year, 
when it comes to God's dream that he's laying out for your life, it's important to recognize God's dream is more than we think, and it's more difficult than we think. So many people get stumped, they stop in their journey of pursuing God's dream for their life because it gets hard. And if we know on the front end it's hard, it changes our perspective. Difficulty does not mean you're disobedient. Sometimes difficulty is the very thing that comes when you pursue God's vision for your life. And Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, he says this, we think you ought to know, brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. Sometimes people say dumb things, like things that they say are in the Bible, like God will never give you more than you can handle. It's not in the Bible. God will give you more than you can handle. Paul says it right here. We were crushed. We couldn't handle it. But what happened in that moment where we were crushed, Paul says, we thought we would die. But as a result of the difficulty and the pressure, we stopped relying on ourselves. And we learn to rely only on God who raises the dead. So your difficulty is an invitation. Your difficulty is an invitation to lean in and to let God strengthen you. To be a part of something that's bigger than just ourselves requires a willingness to endure hardship. And some of you, if you're honest, you've stepped away from God's dream because it was hard. And today is an invitation. I will tell you all of the great regrets that come in our lives come from those moments where we step away from what God calls us to because it gets difficult. And so many people have gotten on a path with God and then as soon as it's hard in their marriage, as soon as it's hard in parenting, as soon as it's hard with a ministry, they abandon ship and then they look back and ask, I wonder what if. I don't want that for my life. I don't want that for our church that we would look back and say, well, we, 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 it got difficult. And so many people in COVID in 2020, it got difficult and they're still not re-engaged with what God has called their lives to be about. I was hiking one time in Northern California near Santa Cruz and there are these mountains there, kind of hills I should say, and in the hills, there are these giant sequoia trees. And one day, I was looking up at these trees, and then there were some of the roots that are exposed underneath. And I want you to see what the root system of a sequoia tree looks like. And what's surprising is that those, those roots are only like two or three feet beneath the surface of the ground. Right? They're, they're exposed. But these trees are incredibly tr tall, and the reason that they're strong is because they're interconnected. And the difficulty in this life requires us to stay connected and planted. This is important. As we get to the end of our time, it's so important that we stay connected and planted. Some of you today, you're not planted. Some of you today, you're not connected. Some of you today, you're, you're just kind of watching what God's doing. And the problem in our generation one of the greatest challenges that we face is we have been fed lies from our culture that if you just consume, you'll be happier. If you just receive, you'll be more joyful. 
And what, what I've seen as a parent is that sometimes, and I've experienced it personally, the more it's about me, the more it's about my happiness, the more miserable I become. And the kingdom of God flips that upside down. Over the holiday season, all three of my kids were serving at the Christmas services, and on the way home after serving at the umpteen Christmas services we had, my kids were so happy. And I was like, they are so much more happy after serving than when they sit in a green room on a device. So much more. And this is a principle that is true for our lives. When we contribute, when we are planted, when we give of ourselves, we experience the fullness of the life that God has called us to. Psalm 92, 12 and 13 says this, the righteous flourish like palm trees and they grow like cedars in Lebanon. They're planted in the house of the Lord and they flourish in the courts of our God. God wants your life to flourish, but to flourish, you've got to be planted in the house of God. There's something about the local church that when your life is planted in it, you grow and you flourish in your journey spiritually. So I'm gonna call you based on God's best for your life and based on God's vision for our church, I'm gonna call you to say yes to his call to plant yourself in his church. Now, before I do that, I wanna share with you some dreams. And I wanna share with you what, what you're being invited into. Some of you, right now, you're gonna be called to review your commitment to your church. Some of you are gonna renew your commitment to your church. Some of you are gonna say, I'm gonna outdo my former commitment to my church. But I want you to hear first, where is God leading us in the big picture? Remember what I said earlier, so many of us overestimate one year, underestimate a decade. So here's 10 dreams for the next 10 years. Now, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I had a list of 25. I boiled them down to 10, and in some ways I just fit the 25 into 10. So you'll see as we go through here. And I wanna read these to you, and I want you to hear them and let them sink into your heart. This is God's dream for the future of our church. One, we dream of a church fully committed to urgently lead people to say yes to Jesus and his purposes for their lives. We see a church that is increasingly passionate about reaching people who are far from God. We see 100% of our people actively investing their one life and another one life who is far from God. We dream of a day when we are baptizing over 3,000 new followers of Jesus every year. We dream of a church that builds great disciples who are anchored in God's word and passionate about giving their lives away. We see a church that brings together unconditional love for God's people and for people with the uncompromising truth of God's word. We dream of engaging one million more people to be on Saddleback to read the Bible four times or more per week with a belief that God's authoritative word has the power to radically change their life. We dream of a global prayer center as a result of an increased culture of prayer and dependency upon the Holy Spirit. We see ourselves mobilizing God's people to pray powerful and effective prayers. We see a church that boldly partners with God to see miracles happen and the Great Commission accomplished. We dream of a church that is reaching over 50,000 people in physical weekly attendance across 30 campuses. We imagine a church with at least five of our stateside campuses reaching over 3,000 people each week in physical attendance. We imagine a church that has consistent growth year over year where all of our campuses are healthy, 
growing and multiplying both disciples and locations. We dream of more thriving campuses and extensions all over the world. We see 10 international campuses and global gateway cities reaching over 15,000 people in weekly attendance. We see a day when we're starting campuses in the US outside of Southern California. We imagine 500 Saddleback extensions reaching 5,000 people all over North America and the world. And we dream of a leadership college with over 1,000 students engaged to be trained and equipped for future ministry. We see college students going all over the world to be pastors, missionaries, and church leaders. We see a church that is setting the pace and bringing together different ethnicities, cultures, and generations to worship together in a manner that represents heaven and God's heart for all ethnicities. We see our church being a diverse church at all levels of leadership. We see ourselves working together with other churches to tear down the walls that separate us. We dream of a church that is radically committed to finishing the task of reaching all nations and tribes with the good news of Jesus. We dream of a day where partnered with finishing the task, we can say that every tribe in the world has been reached. We see ourselves as in our past, sending the whole church to reach the world for Jesus. We dream of a continuing, of the continuation of a thriving students and kids ministry. We see kids and students connected to godly adults, being mentored and discipled. We see them passionately pursuing God, reaching their classmates, responding to God's call in their lives, and setting the pace to live for God's purposes in their generation. And the last, but certainly not least, we dream of continuing to be a church that resources the global church through training, technology, equipping, sending, giving, and going. We envision relaunching an annual pastor's conference, equipping thousands of pastors per year, training hundreds of new church planters, and helping personally plant at least 10 new church plants per year across North America in strategic, unreached cities. We see ourselves providing digital tools for the church to make it easier to reach more people in more places with the good news of Jesus. This is God's dream for our church. And my question for you is, are you in? Are you in? In the last service, there was a collective yes. Maybe this service, I need to preach for another 50 minutes because you're not there. My question is, are you in for what God has for you, for our church? He is calling us to more. He's inviting us to say yes today. So with all that I can, with my whole heart, I want you to know I'm in. Stacy and I, we're planted here. There's no other dream that I'm pursuing with my life. I wanna be a part of what God is gonna do in this next season of this church. I'm so incredibly thankful that I get to be a part of Saddleback Church this next season. I'm so grateful that God saw me when I was 21 years old and somehow let my story intersect with this great kingdom story of God's vision to reach the world through this church. And I know that many of you, you've said yes before, but there are some of you today, if you're honest with yourself, your yes before is not leading to a yes today. And I'm gonna call you right now to put a stake in the ground to say, God, you have my yes to your dream for my life. 
your dream for our church. So I wanna invite you, this little card is a facilitator of commitment and it says I'm planted on it. And I wanna invite you, everybody go ahead and pull that card out right now. You should have seen it on your seat when you came in. And I'll invite you just to open it up. In the middle there, you'll see a place that says, my dream for 2024. And I wanna encourage you, this is a place where you can write down God's dream for your life for this year. I know he's placing them in you. You can take this home with you. You can do it now. In just a moment, we're gonna sing two songs. It's a great opportunity to reflect and really just write down where does God wanna move you this year. And then as you see that card up at the top, what you'll see is a commitment to your church. Now, this is the commitment that when we would do 101, we'd invite the whole church to say, yes, I'm in. And many of you have signed this before. This was our membership covenant that people would sign and say, I'm in, I'm making Saddleback my home church that I'm gonna invest my life in. And today is a great opportunity to sign again and say, God, you have my yes. Now, here's the invitation. This is what we're saying yes to. I'm saying yes to serve the ministry of my church. I'm saying yes to let God use my gifts and be equipped for ministry and serve others. And something happens when we go from sitting in the stands as a consumer to contributing with our life and using our gift. And that 10 year vision is gonna take all of us. It's gonna take all of our gifts and your yes, God wants to take your yes and use it for the bigger vision that he has for our lives together. Secondly is the yes to share the responsibility of my church. It's shouldering together the responsibility by praying diligently for growth, by inviting people who don't know God to come and warmly welcoming others as they come through the doors of our buildings, connecting, sharing God's love. We share the responsibility of our church. Thirdly, it's a commitment to support the testimony of my church by attending faithfully, by growing and living in a biblical community, and by giving regularly. So I'm saying, I'm gonna support what it is that God is doing through my church. And then finally, I will protect the unity of my church with my words, with my attitude, and with my actions. And this commitment, God has used this kind of commitment to build a great church. As we build in faith, God builds his church. So my call to you and our whole church family today is to say yes, to what it is that God is asking of this, of us in this next season. Now, if you go down to the bottom, there's a place you can rip off. I wanna encourage you, just take that little form, rip it right now, because in a minute, you're not gonna wanna rip it and everybody hear you. So you just, just rip it now, okay? Go ahead, you can rip it. Go ahead, keep going. Keep, I know some of you are like, no, I'm not gonna, just do it real quick. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to sign anything, just rip it real quick, okay? Now, at the bottom of this is a place where you can say, this is my commitment, and I'm gonna call you to say yes right now. Some of you, your yes is I'm recommitting myself to Saddleback as my home church. So right now is a day to say yes, I'm recommitting myself to what it is that God is doing. If you've been a member for a while, this is a day to renew your commitment to your church. Others of you, maybe you're saying, I wanna make Saddleback my home church for the first time. Like I wanna be a part of this church family. And if you say yes, that means you'll be invited to go on March 17th to take step one of Activate, so you can click that box or check that box as well to say, I wanna make Saddleback my home church. Some of you who are renewing your commitment also could make that decision to go to Activate and sign up for that today, and we're gonna invite the whole church 
to do that. Now there's one last box. I'm exploring the possibility of choosing Saddleback as my church. And this is just a way to say, you know what? I've only been here for a month. I'm not sure. I think you're a little bit crazy. So I wanna explore a little bit more before I commit. That's okay, you can connect on that box. But what's important is you'll see at the top of this box is a place where we can sign. And I know sometimes we're like nervous about signatures. But I will tell you, when I was at T-Mobile, before I got out, they made me sign 17 times on the dotted line to get a phone. And if I want a phone, I got to sign. But how much more to commit myself to say yes to God's dream for my life and God's dream for our church. So I'm going to ask you to sign that as a way of saying, yes, I'm in for this next season of what God has for our church. And in just a moment, there are gonna be some buckets that go by. We're gonna sing two more songs. I'm gonna ask you not to leave. I know this service is a little bit longer than normal, but this is a great week for us to lean into the fullness of what God has for us. Two more songs. During this song, two things are gonna happen. One, there are gonna be some buckets that go by. You drop this part in the buckets as they go by. And then two, we're gonna have a team that's gonna come forward to pray. This has been so meaningful all weekend. This prayer team, we've got pastors, we've got staff members, elders, people who are a part of our church praying, and praying for you with God's dream for your life. And what I'm gonna invite you to do, some of you are carrying a burden today, some of you are walking through a deep situation that you need somebody to partner with you to lay hands on your shoulder and pray for you. You walked in burden, you can walk out free and lifted because somebody prayed for you. So I wanna encourage you during these songs to come forward to receive prayer for God's dream for your life this year. So fill out the card, drop it off, take the my dream part home with you and come to receive prayer during these two songs. Let me pray for us and then we'll step in to singing together. Father, thank you for a great day. Thank you for your dream and vision for our lives and our church and the best I know how, God, I say yes. I know it's gonna be hard. I know it's gonna require faith. But God, I'm believing that you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we could think, ask, or imagine according to your power that's at work within us. I'm believing you when you say, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm so grateful, God, for the local church. I'm grateful for your bride that you've been blessing from generation to generation, that we get to serve your bride, that we get to be a part of your local community. And today, you have our yes. Use our lives, use our yes to lay a foundation for future generations. Help us step into the fullness of your dream for our lives and your church in this next generation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this weekend message from Saddleback Church. If you like this, please consider leaving a rating or review for this podcast. The Saddleback Church Weekend Message Podcast is a part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Visit saddleback.com slash podcasts or search for Saddleback Church in your favorite podcasting app to see more great podcasts from Saddleback. For more weekend message resources, visit saddleback.com slash message resources.